Hey there, and welcome to our Hochma and Coffee. Hopefully you're having a great Friday before Christmas. It's amazing how quickly Christmas has come upon us. It feels like it was just Christmas like a week ago, and Christmases just keep getting closer and closer to each other, but I'm glad you're here. And today we're going to be talking about something interesting. I mean, just as we're jumping into Hebrews 13, there's a verse that is really intriguing as it talks about us entertaining angels unawares. And so we're going to talk about that and what that means, plus the rest of Hebrews 13. And so you're not going to want to miss out. And today we have with me again, my brother, Jonah. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. And, and uh, I, I am, I don't know about you, but does it feel like Christmases get closer and closer every year? Uh, yes, uh, I can't believe it's already almost 2023. Oh, Felt like God. we just started 2022. Well, Absolutely it's crazy. It's crazy. And I heard it just gets faster and faster. And so if you're out there and you're older than us, and you can attest to that, you can drop us a comment and discourage us even more that <laughs> just time <laughs> just keeps getting faster and faster. And so we're going to do a couple of things before we jump into Hebrews 13. Uh, we got a few announcements that we're going to make. And so I'm going to jump over to let me just make sure I've got the right one. Jump over to our iPad here. We've got the free Hochmein coffee background down in the description if you want it. It's there for you. We've also got the new mug club, which is right there. I've got that mug right over here. You can pick that up. This will be available nonstop, I believe. Uh, I can't even get it to focus uh, on our store. But if you want the limited edition that's only available for December, we may bring it out later on next year. I don't know yet, but we've got this one with this design on it. If you want that mug as well, we've also got our giveaway coming up in just a couple days. Like just, I think on Christmas day, we're going to be announcing the winner of the new open Bible plus a bunch of other things, the courses that we'll be giving away. And so you're not going to want to miss out on that giveaway. If you want the details, check out this video, the one that says right there, the King James study Bible review. Make sure you check that out. We've also got over here a thank you. We've got a thank you to Judy Murphy, to Gary Pence, to Maggie Diaz, to Kathy Earnhardt, to Cindy Erickson, who have been supporting us for so long. Literally, the reason we're able to do what we're doing right now is because of the, the faithful support of these. And so we just want to say a huge, a huge thank you to each and every one of them. And a thank you to all of those who are also watching faithfully. Okay, now here's a big announcement. Almost a week away. We will be launching Everything Church Pro University. I guess we could say 2.0, all right? So the first time we launched Everything Church Pro University, it was just a small group of us, and I was hand-mentoring every week. Uh, but this is going to be different. This is going to be, I think, even better than it was before. And what it's going to be is, uh, I'm just going to bring up both. We'll talk about that in a second. We are going to be crafting college-level courses that you can take, and then also not just take, but there's going to be homework assignments in there for you as well to do and to chat with each other and to grow as a community. But it doesn't stop there. We're putting the slides in there for you. We're putting the notes in there for you. So you can take these lessons and go to your church and teach them yourself. I mean, it's just, it's going to be so awesome. I think we've already spent, what, 30 hours or more yeah. this week crafting the first five lessons. And so this is going to be immensely valuable. I think it could be worth obviously close to $500 for the entire course. But what we're doing is instead of doing that, we're going to make it, this is kind of the, the price where you get all the courses and it's going to be awesome. It's $4.99. What we're doing here is this is kind of like just a donation, if you would say that. 
It's $4.99 minimum to get in. Uh, and you can get all access to all the courses as we move forward. And I don't know if we'll keep it at that price moving forward. So if you want to jump in early, but also if you're like, you know, I'm going to support you guys even more and help you guys get even further. We have higher prices and those are just donations. Like, Hey, I want to help you guys out even more. So we're going to do $14.99 or we want to help you out even more. So we'll do $24.99. And so those are there and that will be opening up January 1st. And so I'm excited for that. We're about to jump in, but I want to look at some of our comments that have come in. Amen. Shared the live stream. It's good to see you, Miss Roseanne. Good to see you. Miss Cindy, Merry Christmas. Good to see you as well. And then Miss Crystal, Merry Christmas. Good to see you too. I'm excited as we jump into the book of Hebrews in our last chapter. I don't know where we're going to go after this. I don't know if anybody has an opinion on where they would like us to jump into next, but we're finishing up Hebrews today. And so next week we'll be having to figure out our next location. But are you ready to jump into Hebrews, Jonah? Oh yeah, let's do it. All right, let's jump into Hebrews together. We're going to go back over here. Here is the book of Hebrews chapter 13. We'll read the first few verses and then we'll start breaking it down. We have verse one. Let brotherly love... <clears throat> wow, sorry about that. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. And then I'll just end with this one. I think this is the hinge verse. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so before we jump in explaining these verses, Jonah, do you want to catch us up on kind of where Hebrews has taken us from the beginning to here? What's the big picture so we can kind of jump back into the flow of thought? Yeah, uh, the entire picture of Hebrews is how Jesus is better. He's better than so many people, so many things. He's better than Moses and Abraham and Melchizedek and the tabernacle and just so many things that he's better than. Uh, so, and this is what the penman's trying to get across that you don't have to go back to Judaism. I know you look highly to those people and to those things that uh, I just mentioned and more, but Jesus is so much better than all of those. Uh, and then he even in Hebrews 11 points out so many uh, of the people that the Jews would look up to and yeah. says, you're in that same company. You're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, look to Jesus because he's better than all those I'm mentioning as well. Mm. And so that's really the whole big picture of Hebrews. And now here we are in uh, chapter 13. And it seems like he's just wrapping it up, giving us some practical ways to live in light of Jesus being better. Yeah, I, I like that summary. Living in light of Jesus being better. Um, I, I think this is a beautiful way for us to look at these last verses, because if you look at them, each verse almost seems disconnected from the one before it. And I know we don't know who wrote 
Hebrews. Uh, but this is a very Pauline thing to do, how he gives heavy doctrine at the beginning of his books. And then he gives a lot of practical tips on how to live it out at the end. Uh, for, for this author, he waited until the very, very end to get hyper practical. Um, but it's still so good. And so let's dive into this beginning. He says at the beginning, let brotherly love continue. I think he's, he's linking this up with all the verses, basically in chapter 10 and forward about how they've had this persecution. And this is a, kind of what Paul says in Philippians, that if there's going to be any consolation, if there's going to be any comfort, if there's going to be any of that, it's got to come that we be like-minded one with another and be humble and esteeming others better than ourselves. So if you guys are going through persecution and hardship and your parents have disowned you and your community has disowned you inside the local church, there's got to be brotherly love. There's got to be brotherly love. What do you think about this first verse here? Yeah, uh, we see so much division yeah. in churches so often. And I believe we see so many times in so many epistles of the penmans and the writers, they're encouraging those local churches that they're writing to say, stop this division and stop this contention. And because we are one family and one body in that local church. And so again, here, let this brotherly love continue. Mm. You all are suffering this persecution. You all are going through this world. You don't need to be at each other's throats because we already have so much uh, suffering and affliction and persecution going on. And so this yeah. penman saying, love each other. Let this brotherly love continue. You guys need to be yeah. able to rest on each other as you follow Christ. I love the word brotherly love because these guys might have been disowned even from their own brothers. Mm. You know, like they could have been not welcome at any family gathering. And so he says, guys, you haven't lost all your family. And I know you think that you have, but you haven't. The local church is your family. And it's sad when local churches don't feel that way. Um, and I think that should be our desire and goal. All of us, whatever local church you're in, it should be your desire to treat each other like a family and to be there for each other like a family. Uh, it's sad when someone comes from a gang and they come to the church and then they go back to the gang because the gang felt more like a family than the church did. Mm. Or, or somebody had family issues and they come to the church hoping for a family and it's, nobody's there for them. No one talks to them. No one, no one even considers them. Friends, we're, when we're a local church, we have to have this brotherly love. I love that as we begin. Again, verse 2. This is the verse that we have the, the title about. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Okay, wow, this is quite the verse. And I think it's the word that really gets us is this big is this word right here, angels. What in the world? And so we don't want to lessen it. We want to broaden it. And so, Jonah, we were talking about this before. I want you to kind of give us some of the senses that the Bible uses for angels. And then we'll talk about what we feel this specific verse is, is talking about. Yeah, so angels can literally mean, obviously, Angels, what we might think of automatically, right. uh, those heavenly spiritual beings, um, or they could, there are other places in scripture, the definition could be messenger, uh, just in general, someone who yeah. brings a message. Um, or we can even see in Revelation that it can be referred to as a pastor of a local church. Um, and so those are three of the most common, I think maybe even the only ways that word angel in the New Testament is used. And so yeah, which one huge. is this talking about? So that's, <laughs> that's the question. <laughs> that's huge. Now, someone might not realize that in the book of Revelation, angels is used as pastors. But if you look at the Jesus talking to the seven churches of Asia Minor, 
he says, unto the angel at the church. And he's referring, uh, most would agree, to the pastor at the church, the messenger who was sent to speak God's word at the church. And so he's not speaking to some supernatural angel who's just kind of sitting in the church somewhere. He's, I, th- I, I believe he's speaking to the pastor there, the messenger that God had sent, and that's what angel refers to. And so which one is this? It could be all of them. Um, I, I think, I think, I think the, the, the specific sense probably is the first sense that most people think of, the supernatural beings. And I think he's bringing back into their minds uh, Abraham, um, when Abraham was, you know, at his, at his tent and he looks out there and he sees the three men coming and he goes and he runs. Is this Genesis 18 or something like that? Somewhere around there. Uh, but he's, he runs to make sure they get all the food that they need. He waits on them hand and foot. And that's when God tells him about Lot and all those things that are going to happen. We also have Lot just a few chapters later when the angels come into town, he brings them in and he entertains them. And it's sad that he entertains them better than his own kids. Um, I mean, he says, you can have my daughters and do what you want to do with my daughters. Just don't harm these men. But I think we're supposed to bring in mind these men, but maybe others that they would have known. I don't know who entertain angels unawares. And so what do we do with this though in 2022? I think that's the big question. How do we handle this? And so John, I'm gonna let you comment on it and then I'll comment on it. What do you think about chapter 13 verse two? Yeah, we don't, we don't talk about this topic very much. And I think it's because literally the wording here, we don't know that we're entertaining right, uh, these angels. Uh, yeah, entertaining angels unawares. And so uh, even as we were talking beforehand, uh, something happens and someone may say something, oh, an angel protected me or he was looking out and I, uh, God did this. And when you say something like that, people might give you this weird look like, <laughs> This person is crazy, uh, but we are, we're scared to say anything like that because we actually do not know if it was an angel or not. Yeah. It's, it was unawares. And so uh, if you're talking to someone, a stranger on the street, maybe a homeless person, uh, whoever it is, you have no idea. And so that's why we don't necessarily talk about it too much because we don't have concrete evidence whether it was an angel or, or it wasn't an angel. I think and that's so, a huge point to bring out. There are many out there who will talk about, oh, this angel did this for me, and the angel showed me this. And I think we should be hyper skeptical of all of these, um, especially when it goes against the Bible, because the Bible, I mean, Paul says, whether I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. And so uh, we also realize that the devil himself is transformed into an angel of light, which I have a story about. I don't think I can share it now. It's too long. Uh, but, but I'm telling you guys, When we look at these angels, I think this is a key word, unawares. When you talk to an angel, you wouldn't even know. Like, that's the thing is it's not like Joseph Smith and the angel moron eye. (laughs) Uh, It's not like that. It's not like that. It's not like uh, even there was, I believe, the pastor at Bethel or someone over at Bethel believed that passion, an angel, showed him the new passion translation or something like, oh, my God, stop, don't, don't, like, stay away. Okay, and so... This is a very clear, it's unawares. They entertained them and they didn't even know it. And I think this is just supposed to tell us to be hospitable to everybody. You don't know who you're talking with. First of all, even if it's not an angel, you're talking to someone made in the image of God. That should be enough. That should be enough to not view anybody higher than somebody else. But this is an added thing. You don't even know if you're entertaining an angel unaware. They do. They are among us. 
The Bible says that they are sent forth as ministering spirits to them who shall be the heirs of salvation in Hebrews 1. Was it 13 or 14 of the last verse I there? Verse 14, yeah. And so, friends, we this is a, a truth that's not talked about much. Even in Bible college, I think angelology was probably the least talked about doctrine because it's just we don't have so much about it. We know there's good angels, there's bad angels, there's Lucifer, there's Michael, there's Gabriel, there's archangels, there's what else? What other kind of angels? <laughs> we got like seraphims and, seraphim and cherubim and oh, we got these different types, <laughs> but it's like we don't know much about that. Um, and okay. so if you're interested maybe in angelology, maybe we'll do a series on it in the future and dive into it as much as we can, as much as the Bible allows us to. Uh, but that's probably where we'll leave this verse is be, make sure you're kind and entertain everybody who comes near you. Don't just brush somebody off as even if they are someone who you think you don't want to talk to at this moment, you have no idea who they are. And so make sure you entertain everybody. So let's move on to verse number three. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. So I think this is very clearly speaking, not about just everybody in jail, though I think that's a great application. I think the interpretation is talking about saved because they are in the body. And he's saying, remember your brothers and sisters who are put in jail because of the faith and are suffering adversity because of the faith. Oh, it's good to see you, Brother Gary. I just see you popping in here. No worries. Good to see you this morning. Uh, we just talked about the angels unawares, and now we're jumping into verse three here. But as we look at this, I think this is very clearly speaking about saved brothers in bonds, and we're supposed to remember them. We're supposed to think about them. This is not something that we have too common nowadays. I don't have anyone in my congregation in jail for the faith, but I do think this is coming especially with the ruling that came out, was it a week or two ago, with this Respect for Marriage Act. Um, I think that that's going to up uh, the ante on persecution in the future. And so we need to be keeping this verse in mind that when someone goes to jail for the faith, we don't just turn our blind eye and like, oh, that's kind of unfortunate for them. So we remember them just like as if we were bound with them. I think that's key. As if we were in jail with them, we remember them because we're all one. We're all one body. Okay, and so we've got verse number three. Is there anything you want to comment on verse number three? No, it's uh, just going back to that verse one. Let brotherly love continue. Yeah. And so I love it. That's huge. That's huge. And then we get this next one. Marriage is honorable and all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and and adulterers God will judge. I don't think we have enough talk about uh, physical relationships in marriage. The world has done its best to make it their own. They have taken physical intimacy and they have made it their own. And it's kind of like Christians aren't able to have anything to do with this. But the Bible is very clear that marriage is honorable, honorable in all and the bed undefiled. Marriage intimacy is the best. It's great. I mean, it's fantastic. And that's what we should be showing to the world and to the younger generation coming up because they are being taught very boldly that marriage is something terrible. It's like, it's like slavery and it's, it's so drab and terrible and comedians make fun of it all the time. But friends, the truth is marriage is awesome. And marriage is doing it God's way is the best way. And I, 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 I'm very passionate about this because the world is so loud. They're so loud about trying to get young people just to sleep around starting when they're very young, which is just gets my goat. 
It really, I don't know if that uh, means anything, but it, it makes me upset hearing how the world is trying to pervert our young people into just throwing away their life, throwing away uh, their purity, and, and they never get to understand the honor and the purity and the undefiled nature of a true marriage relationship. And so marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled. Is there something you want to say about this section here? No, I mean, I think... It needs to be, like you said, spoken about more uh, because it only takes one time where you can you can never get anything back. So this yeah. younger generation, man, you want to go into marriage, man, pure, pure and undefiled. Yeah. And so I'm thankful we were able to. Um, hmm. But it's sad that that's the joke nowadays. Like hmm. it's, it's a joke if you make it to your wedding altar pure. It's like, oh, yeah. wow, ha, ha, ha. And they laugh at you and they make fun of you. Friend, they don't know what they're missing out on They because they never got there. They don't understand the trust and the intimacy that comes with doing it God's way. And so if you're a younger person out there, I just want to encourage you, do it God's way. And if you are someone who's married, maybe you can echo that in the comments and let the younger generation know this is true. Don't listen to the knuckleheads out there who are, who are losing themselves to everybody on the street corner. Friends, do it God's way. It's the best way. And, and, and then God backs it up. And that's why I just saying the positive, that marriage is awesome and purity is great. But he says, those who are uh, breaking the, the, this physical intimacy out of the fireplace, I guess you could say. Uh, I've heard this said often with Christians is um, physical intimacy is fantastic. It's a fire, but it's meant to stay in the fireplace in marriage. When you take it out of the fireplace, when you take fire out of the fireplace, it destroys. And that's what God's saying here. Those who take physical intimacy out of its realm of marriage, and marriage is one man, one woman, one lifetime. We don't get to define it. God made it. He gets to define it. That's what marriage is. When you take it out and you do what you want with it, it says that God will judge. God will judge. And so be very careful. Be very careful. I want to look down here, over here. It says, so sad. Yes, marriage is what we were literally married for unless God called, unless called to a single life serving the Lord. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And there are some called to a single life. And, yeah. and don't be discouraged in the way. But friends, if you are married, if you are believing God wants you to be married, don't sell short. Don't sell that short. Yeah. And so that's verse number four. And this is all based on what we've read. Jesus is better. And so as a believer in Jesus, this is the way we should live. Walk by faith. And this means putting off the pleasures of sin. This is what Moses did. Putting it off because we have a better country. And I think that's what he talks about. No, that, that, we're not there yet. I'm almost getting there. <laughs> but we get into verse 5. He says, and let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a verse. I'm going to let you jump into this one first, and then I'll, I'll come up after you. Yeah, I, I love this verse. Um, and there's so many ways you can uh, go at it. Uh, but uh, it says, let your conversation be without covetousness. And we looked up the definition conversation. I think it's a different Greek word than what we usually see right. translated conversation, but it has the same connotation, your manner of life and all that. Um, but you can have that without covetousness mm. for, and it says, and be content with such things as you have for he hath said, I will yeah. never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's like, you can be content. Let's just even put it in a different kind of scenario. You can be content because 
someone's promised you, you will always have a trillion dollars in your bank. You can yeah. be content. Um, this penman saying, let your conversation be without covetousness because he hath says, I will never leave you mm. nor forsake thee. And then you can say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Yes. And so we don't have to be covetous. We don't have to look out at what other people have uh, in the world or even other believers or whoever. Yeah, We've got everything we could ever possibly desire or need. And so I love this verse for that reason. That's huge. And, and I think, I think the question we should ask ourselves here is, is Jesus enough for you? Mm. Not is he enough? Obviously he is. But for you, do you really believe he's enough? I mean, if we are always covetous, like wanting the, the newest and latest gadgets because we're not content unless we have it or, or X, Y, and Z, a promotion here or a new house there or a new car here or whatever it is. And I'm not saying things we need. That's, I'm not talking about that. But if inside we don't have peace until we get whatever it is, I think we're missing out on what God has provided. We've just spent yeah. the entire book saying Jesus is better. He's better mm -hmm. than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better. He just goes through. Jesus is better. And if Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you, be content. I mean, he's there and he will take care of you. He's there and he will take care of you. And so just rest. I, I think this brings back to my mind uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus mm -hmm. radically said, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take you know, thought the things of itself. He says, doesn't your father take care of like the sparrow and, and the lily and all these other things? Aren't you much better than many of them? Yeah. Like, like he's trying to get into our minds, guys, I've got you. I'm your father. And when you're a kid, you don't really have much stress. I mean, you have stress maybe about what other think about you or, or other things like that. But the truth is, I mean, when we look at it, we shouldn't be stressed because we still have a father. We still have a father who's looking out for us, taking care of us. And so we should be content. I love it. And we can say the Lord is our helper. I'm not going to fear what man yeah. can do. And this, again, I think is linking up to their uh, persecution. So guys, even in the hardest persecution, Jesus doesn't leave. Like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's in the fire yeah. with you. You know, he's there. And so don't be afraid. Friends, for us in the future, or maybe if you're watching this from a country experiencing persecution, I want us all to remember, we don't need to be afraid of what man can do. Jesus told his disciples, don't be afraid of them which can kill the body. Don't be afraid. Be afraid of the one who can kill both soul and body. And so, friend, for us, let's not be afraid. I know it's easy to say from the comforts of our home and from the comforts of our church, but I think we need to remind ourselves of this over and over again, preparing ourselves for hard days that may be ahead. Is Hey, Jesus is with me. You're about to say something? I was in the shower i think it was yesterday morning and when we were just i had to text myself this so i didn't remember this uh so i did remember this yeah but with persecution uh, on the horizon or already in certain places in the world yeah. uh this came to my mind i said i can withstand a lot because i don't have to withstand it for long mm. um and so as we're even going to say uh, talk about again this chapter yeah. We're going to, we're looking for a city in the future with this life is a vapor. Sometimes we look at it in a certain light, yeah. but it's not very long. It might feel long right now. Absolutely. We can withstand a lot as we've seen the great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us. And how but do it, we withstand? Mm -hmm. It's by faith. It's yeah. the faith that makes that future reality, our present strength, you know? Yeah. And so I think this is why we need to stay in the word because the Bible is very clear that 
faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Those who will faint in adversity will be those who have not spent much time in the word. So I'm thankful for those of you who watch this and are staying in the word yourselves and, and all those things, because that's what's going to strengthen us when these hard times come. We're able to endure because we're not having to endure for long because we believe it. We have faith in that coming city. And so thanks for bringing that out. That's huge. And so we have here verse seven, remember them which have the rule over you. And here's, here's a specific, not just talking about government, not just talking about even just parents, but this is specifically those who have spoken unto the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation, the outcome of their way of life. He says, remember them remember them. And so I, I, I don't know exactly the, all the connotations of this word. Remember, I mean, it's, I mean, hold them in mind. Uh, we're going to build on this later on in the chapter, but I don't know exactly what he's trying to say. Oh, oh I guess here, here it is. Whose faith follow. He, he's wanting you to keep them in mind and imitate them. I guess that's, that'd be a good, um, a good, a, what do you, would you say? Good summary of this verse. What would you mm-hmm. say for seven? Yeah, I think that's what he's trying to get at. Um, really, what verses five and six were talking about, uh, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do. And remember yeah. those uh, who spoken unto you the word of God. Faith, follow that kind of faith, yeah. uh, considering the end of their conversation. And you know, I, I just want to stop here for a second. So here it says, have the rule over you, which in 2022, and I guess soon to be 2023, is kind of a bad word. We don't like that. Uh, but in the church, there is authority structures. And I want to be very clear that we, as people on YouTube, are not your authority. And yeah. so, and, and I'm saying this not just for us, but for all YouTubers, all of them, it's not supposed to be them that you're following. I, mm-hmm. I'm thankful that you guys listen here. I'm, I hope we help you in your own church. But the truth is, you're supposed to be able to see the end of their conversation. And the truth is, you don't know how Joan and I live, unless you come to our church or you live around us. I mean, the truth is, you don't know how any YouTuber actually lives. And so this is a very clear thing that you're supposed to remember those in the local church where you're at. So where yeah. you're at, look at the leaders there. I mean, they are, they are the ones that later on we're going to see give an account for you. And so make sure you follow them and follow their faith. Watch the way they live and try to imitate them. That's huge. That's huge. And so I just want to make that clear because in today's day, so many people like follow YouTubers. I've had people message my church and they ask me what I think about this YouTuber and this YouTuber. And that's how they choose whether or not they're going to come to my church. It's like, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? I'm like, well, I'm not going to be talking about that. And, and because people put more stock in a YouTuber than the people that God has put over them there in the local church. And so I just put that out there. That's my own two cents. That Was I out of bounds there, do you think? I don't think so. I think okay. it's important that uh, we realize this is not the local church. This right. is not the thing that God has ordained to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, I do believe it's so important that we have good content on these kinds of platforms as right. the world is utilizing it. Uh, so uh, the best message that mankind can ever hear. So we ought to be using this great tool, but this is no replacement for the local church. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I have here as a deacon, my life is my testimony. I have a responsibility to set the example. A hundred percent. As, as leaders in the church, our life has to match the message. It does. Yeah. And so I, I thank you for putting that out there. And then we come to, I think, the climax of maybe the book of Hebrews, but definitely this chapter. We have Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. Jesus is unchanging. He's, mm. he's better and he'll never change, meaning he's able to save us to the uttermost because he is an unchangeable priesthood. And we talk about that in the course a little bit. We, I'm excited for the courses to come out and for those of you to join us in them because they're going to be so good. Uh, but we talk about that a little bit here. And, and if you've been following Hebrews with us and then you jump into the courses, you are going to see Hebrews in a much richer light. But you'll also see the Old Testament in such a richer light because they're so connected here. But Jesus never changes. And that's why we should live the way we're supposed to live. That's why. But also it builds off of that into verses nine and on. Is there anything you want to say about verse eight before we move on to verse nine? I, I think it's such a beautiful verse that yeah. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. Um, he is so much better than anyone that we can uh, ever look up to. Mm. And so I don't know if anyone else, since I'm a teacher, I think of these types of things. I don't know if anyone has had a teacher that one day, man, they're the most <laughs> awesome teacher ever. The next day, they're so mean and grumpy. Or they're, or, and one day we can get away with something, maybe lean or slouch in our chair. And then the very next day, they're yelling at us for doing the same exact thing. We don't have to worry about that with yeah. Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever in all aspects of it. Yeah. And so I love it. And I think, I think this is also a very clear, a very clear um, picture of his deity. Yeah. He's unchangeable. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. It's the I am that I am. He's not I was, I will be, I were. It's I am. And that's why he said in John 8, before Abraham was, or is it John 8 or John 10? One of those. I am before Abraham was, I am. And so here we have, again, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. I love how you brought that into practical terms. You don't have to worry. Is he in a good mood today, a bad mood? What's going on? He's the same. He's the same. And so because he's the same, I think we build into verse 9. Be not carried away with diverse or multicolored or varied and strange doctrines or teachings. If Jesus is the same, you're not looking for something new. And I think that's our problem in America, maybe in the world as a whole today, is we have a desire for new things over and over. And it's maybe the technological age or something new comes out almost every minute. You get new, new, new. And our, our desire for novelty is unmatched and unbridled almost in this day and age. And he says, no, guys, Jesus doesn't change. And so don't be carried away with all these different and strange teachings. Like <laughs> Just stick with Jesus. It's simple and it doesn't change. And it's not new every single moment, like a new thing in this new doctrine. Just stick with Jesus because it's a good thing that the heart be established. Friends, if, if Christianity was always changing, you can't be established. And we've got this progressive Christianity, which don't even get us started on that. I am so fired up about, not in a good way, fired up in a bad way, like I'm upset yeah. about. But we have all these new things, and they're wanting you to reexamine and deconstruct here. And, do, and, and you can't be established in a faith that's like water. Jesus is a rock. God is the rock. And because he's a rock, he doesn't change and you can build your life on it. And I think that's the simple thing. Just, just stick and stay with the unchanging Jesus. Don't be looking for something new. Don't go to a church that's always looking for the newest way to, it's just, it's Jesus. It's new. Uh, not new. It's, it's the same <laughs> yesterday, today, and forever. I'm sorry, but I'm going to turn it over to you before I get too fired up. What do you want to say about this section? It's so important that now we should always be um, making sure we are seeing scripture accurately. Right. I'm not saying that we just close our eyes and whatever our uh, preacher thoughts. says or a YouTuber says, and we're like, okay, um, 
I'm just going to accept it without really studying it. We got to be like the Bereans, as we see in the the New Testament. We got to be able to study. But if you hear, oh man, I I don't even want to get started. But there's (laughs) these TikTok and YouTube people who are saying outlandish things, and you even even when we were talking about this previously before we uh, went live, they sound so good. Um, Well, not to us. you even said you had to just stop one of the videos that we were talking about because it just didn't sound, it sounded the opposite of so yeah. good. And uh, whenever you hear stuff like that, because this individual was saying that Jesus isn't God, that he possibly could be, be a sinner and that he was racist. and It's terrible. When you hear this kind of stuff, d- don't be carried about with such yeah. doctrines and uh, diverse and strange do- doctrines as Hebrews 13 says, this is what we have to be able to avoid. Yes. So. And you avoid that by sticking in the doctrine of Jesus. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't change. Now, when I say it's not new, it's not new, but it might be new to you. And so we're always yeah. learning. I, I will be learning until I'm 99 and a half and I'll still be running and jogging. I don't know. I don't know how old I'll get. Uh, but the truth is I'll be learning until I die. Until I die, I will be learning new things about the faith. Uh, but they're not new. They're not something that just came out or that's rein- reinterpreting the word in a different way that's never right. been interpreted before. Uh, the word is vast and it's new. It's, it's, it's new in, in application to me as my life progresses. And so we're not talking about like, you're never going to, God's never going to show you something special from the word. Right. I think that's so cool when he I opens mean, your eyes. What is it? Yeah. Gravity has always been a thing on this earth. But it wasn't until I like someone like Isaac Newton, I believe, yeah. who discovered it. It was new <laughs> to <Damn>. them, <laughs> but uh, it was always there. Right. So, and I think that's, that's how a- we take the word is there's so much in here that we're going to continue to be learning. But it's not a new doctrine. It's, it's, it's clearly laid out in the word. It just might be new to me. I might not have understood. Like, let's just say maybe for some verse two is new. Like what? entertaining angels unawares. It's not a new doctrine. It's just been there. It just might be new to some of us as we encounter it for the first time. And so I just want to be clear there. I have here, you become unstable in all you try to do if you're not established in Jesus. Mm. And that's so true. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're trying to get Jesus and everything, anything else, you are unstable. Thank you for bringing that out. Uh, I have another comment here before we move on. Thanks for reminding me of who I, of who I follow. This convicts me to pray more for them. I I love that. I think we all should be praying for each other more, especially those who are leading. And also, I think leaders should spend more time praying for the followers as well. It should be a mutual praying for one another. Thank you for bringing that out. Uh, We have here a weird verse, or I guess not a weird verse, an interesting transition. And so the the first, I guess, what verse are we on? Verse 8 verses into verse 9 have been very just practical and almost easy for us as people in 2022 just to immediately take. But we're going to transition back to their context a little bit. As he says, established with grace, not with meats. And you say, wait a second, are we supposed to all be vegan? What's going on here? What's what's happening? That's not what he's saying, uh, because you have to keep reading forward to see what he means by meats. And so let's do that together. He says, uh, which have not profited them that they uh, have been occupied therein, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. And so let's just stop there. We're going to keep moving forward. But this meets is speaking about the physical sacrifices that were still going on in the temple at that time. Would you agree with that? I mean, this we could be a little bit off here. I think this is what it means. 
yeah. in my limited understanding. Would you agree? Yeah, uh, especially in just another plug, as we were studying at Leviticus for yeah. our course, um, we we did a little bit of a study over all these sacrifices and uh, offerings, and there yeah. were uh, some sacrifices, which I think you're probably even going to get into, that some of it was burnt and some of it either the priest or the offerer would eat. Uh, but then there were other sacrifices uh, that was completely burnt and none of it was right. eaten by anyone. And so, and so that's what he's talking about here. And if you want more info, that will be in the courses as we talk about all the different sacrifices and the feasts and those things. But here he's saying, we have an altar whereby, whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle, which is weird. So he is calling out the priests in the temp- temple at that day saying all those offerings that they're able to share in, they don't have any more right to eat those. Like you don't have to offer any sacrifices. They have no right to eat those. Why? Because we have an altar. We have a better sacrifice who was once for all forever. He was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. And so he talks here about the bodies of those beasts whose blood were brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin. And here we go are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. So here we're talking about a specific offering on Yom Kippur, where they would take this, the, uh, the offering outside the camp and it would be completely consumed. And he says that Jesus also was like that. And it's meant to show us the reproach. I think right down here in verse 13, this was a shameful thing. Jesus was taken out of the city to be crucified the same way on Yom Kippur, the sacrifice was taken out of the city to be killed. And so he says, just like Jesus went outside the the camp, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach for here we have no continuing city, but seek one to come. And so let's just wrap this little section up here before we go on to sacrifices. I believe what he's saying is this, just like Jesus had shame, and suffered reproach to buy something better for the joy set before him, as we saw in chapter 12, we too should endure reproach now because we're looking for that better city. We seek one to come. And so again, it goes back to what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So he's saying, guys, this period of life, like you were saying earlier, we can suffer now because if we're not suffering forever, we're just suffering a short time. And so just like Jesus suffered reproach for a short time and now is on the right hand of God, let's also do the same. Let's go outside the camp. Let's suffer reproach. Let's be, let's be shamed, not be ashamed. Let's be shamed for his name uh, because it's not forever. We've got a a city that's to come. Uh, Anything you want to say before we go into the sacrifices here? Yeah. Just to wrap up kind of the other side, uh, verse nine says not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied there. And it's another time where this penman is saying uh, these sacrifices, they didn't make them perfect. Just like I've said in the past, Yeah. but Jesus, uh, he's likening Jesus to these sacrifices. Like those were burnt without the camp. Jesus once and for all uh, suffered without the gate. Uh, outside the gate on Golgotha. And so there it is again. Jesus is better. He's better. The sacrifices d- didn't do anything in totality, never made you perfect. Yeah. Jesus can. And so suffer his reports, like you said. That's massive. I-, I love it. Thanks for bringing that out. So let's dive into the very end of the book here. I know we are running short on time here, but let me just bring up the drawing screen here. We've got here, as we come to this, we've got certain sacrifices, okay? So we've got sacrifices that we now, as priests, get to offer. So they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. That is done. It's 
ended because Jesus' sacrifices ended that once for all. But there are still sacrifices that are supposed to be offered. And so I think he gives us some a few here. We have the, the sacrifice of praise. That's one sacrifice we can offer. He says, and that's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. So I, guess, I think he's kind of specifying what you know, praise is. He says another one is to do good, to communicate. Um, and these God is pleased with. And so we have a few here. We have praise, the sacrifice of praise, giving thanks. You want to go on your single yeah, yeah, screen real yeah, quick? Yeah, for sure. Let me go over here to, let me see where it is. This one right here. So we've got here the sacrifices. We've got to do good, to communicate. Oh, let me let me do this here real fast. Uh, and so we've got all of these different sacrifices that are are uh, delineated here. Hopefully that makes sense for you guys as we're jumping into these sacrifices. As priests, we still offer sacrifices. Praise, giving thanks, doing good, and communicating. And that word communicating is the word for fellowship, koinonia. And so Fellowship doesn't just mean uh, getting together for a potluck after a Sunday service, although that has a sense of fellowship. Koinonia was like partnership. It was like being joined together in every aspect. You were in it together to the very end. And so this koinonia has to do with being one with another, being together together which also means you're going to share. Like if someone in your local church has an issue, you are going to be quick to try to help out in any way you can to make sure that the body is able to continue moving forward because we have koinonia. We have fellowship, partnership in this together. So make sure one of the sacrifices is communicating or koinonia because God is well pleased with these sacrifices. And so uh, hopefully that makes sense as we talk about the different sacrifices that we have as priests. And uh, I think we're going to jump into verse 17, unless you have anything to talk about with the sacrifices. Oh, I muted you. I got it. I'm, there you go. Hey, there you are. <laughs> no, uh, I think I kind of missed a little bit of that. Sorry about that. Uh, my pastor actually walked into my room. And so, uh, but yeah, I think I didn't hear everything you discussed, but I'm, I'm sure it was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're back. And uh uh, this verse is just for you then obey them that have the rule over you. So if he comes in and tells you to get off the live stream, we're just going to say sayonara to you. We'll handle it. But uh, this is an, the next verse. It kind of links back up with the verses we were talking up uh, earlier about remembering them and following them. Uh Oh, somebody just thumbs down did right there. I don't know. They didn't like what we talked about with you uh, and Pastor Lloyd, I guess. Maybe that was Pastor Lloyd thumbs downing. But who knows? We have here, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. These are things that people don't like. And I think that thumbs down is a perfect segue into this. People don't like submitting to authority. And I think in 2022 and 2023, it's even more so. People don't like it. And in fact, they will, they will do anything they can to stay out of a membership of a church. They're like, nope, I'm going to maybe attend a church and like look at it, but I don't want anyone to have authority over me. I will rule myself. I will rule my own life. But the truth is the church was set there as an authority structure, an institution by God. Friends, this is not something that humans made. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. It's not like the pastor is like, you know, I just really want to be powerful. And so I'm going to become a preacher. That's not how it works. This is a God established thing. And so friend, we should select a good church with a good pastor. But the truth is when we're in a good church with a good pastor as a member, we've got to obey. 
We've got to obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. And that's why I was joking with Jonah, but also being serious. If his pastor came in and asked for him to come, it's like, we're, we're, we're saying sayonara to Jonah and he can go and do what he needs to do. Cause that's more important than what we're doing right here. But here's why, here's why we obey for they watch for your souls. We don't obey just because, you know, it's fun to do or because people are power hungry. We do it because a good shepherd, a good pastor watches for your souls. Friends, this is huge. This is huge. And so friends, we've got to make sure that as we are obeying them, we're realizing the weight of responsibility that's on your pastor, that's on your under shepherd. They are literally watching for your souls and they have to give an account one day. So this is why when people come to me and maybe we have disagreements a little bit on how to do a certain thing. And I have to tell them sometimes, hey guys, I know that you might want us to be a little bit laxer in this area, but my conscience won't let us because I have to give an account for you and for everybody and everything that goes on here. And when the, the congregation sees that, a lot of times they're much more willing to say, okay, I understand. This is a big thing. Maybe for me, I can understand why you are under, uh, going a little bit stricter in this area than I would. And so I'm going to let, we're just going to submit to what you've asked. And so I'm going to encourage you as someone in a church, recognize, recognize the weight on your pastor. He has to give an account for everything he does, whether it's good or bad, and everything you do in the church. I think this is a massive thing. Make sure they have it. They can do it with joy and not with grief because that's unprofitable for you. So, Jonah, what do you have to say about this section here? Yeah, we should uh, definitely love and pray, like you said, for our pastors and obey. I think I just said that twice. <laughs> <Obey. Yeah. laughs> so important. It's so important. I needed to say it twice. Yeah. Um, because most pastors, maybe there's a group of pastors, especially I'm thinking of those ones who are always praying for that next private jet or whatever. But yeah. the majority of pastors uh, of the New Testament local church, that's uh, very important to say that because I could probably say all of those pastors, they have a heart uh, for yeah. the flock that God has uh, allowed them to under shepherd. And so they, like you said, they're not there to try to exercise their dominance. They became pastors because that's the calling that God has put on them. And they want to see not only lost souls come to the knowledge of their knowledge of Christ and be saved, but to, to shepherd the flock that's already there of that local New Testament church. So, right. uh, we should not as, since I'm not a pastor, I shouldn't look at the passion scorn him of why why can't i do that or why do you preach on this no we should be thankful for a pastor who is maybe warning us or correcting us or uh, leading us in a direction that's goes in line with scripture obey them because they have that kind of heart that shepherding heart and love each and every one of their their flock and i think we gotta i'm just gonna speak to pastors and again I think the Bible is very clear that as pastors, we are not lords over God's inheritance. So we are not supposed to act like kings. And I think there was a generation where the pastors were like, you don't question what I do. You don't do it. I am the king of this. But I don't think that's the way pastors should lead. We're supposed to shepherd. We're supposed to shepherd and not be lords over the inheritance. And so I think there's a very clear distinction here. And it's a walk of love, a, a humble pastor with a humble congregation, a pastor who's not trying to, you know, be king. 
but I mean, if he's not going to be king, then we have to also have a humble congregation who willingly walks with them. And so be, this is a, this is a tightrope. But I want to also say the moment a pastor steps out from under the word of God, you don't got to follow him anymore. So the moment I start teaching heresy, don't follow any more. Seriously, you can come and talk to me. And if I don't correct my doctrine, and I'm going to stick staying with heresy. It's like, that's it. The, the authority is no longer there because the pastor doesn't have authority in himself. The yeah. pastor gets the authority from God's word. I and mean, that's where the authority gets, it, it really comes from. Yeah. And so friends, if you're in a church that's not teaching sound doctrine, you're not responsible. You're like, well, I just got to go along with it, even though I know it's not right. Friend, we've got to stick with the word. But I also want to say here, just to clarify this, you may not understand complete sound doctrine. And so you might think, well, he's teaching, I, I don't agree with him here. I'm, I'm going to be very mad about this. Friend, I also encourage you to be patient, to be willing to listen, to think about what they're teaching. Because I've had people who've come into our church who didn't agree with me in one area or another. And just, I gave them time. They gave me time. And then slowly we were able to discuss some of these things and why we disagree and, and how we're able to rectify these things. And so don't just think, well, I know everything about the Bible. And so if he disagrees with me, obviously he's wrong. That's not what I'm talking about when it comes to false doctrine. I'm talking when he's saying Jesus isn't God or Jesus sinned. Those are clear things. It's like, well, I, I'm, I know that's not what the Bible teaches. And so hopefully, I, hopefully we didn't confuse more than we clarify, but this is very key. The relationship with pastors and the congregation is a walk of love and humility of mutual submission and respect, uh, but they watch for your souls. They watch for your souls, okay? And so we have here, as we end up here, pray for us. Friends, this is massive. I don't ask this enough for my congregation and even to those of you who are watching Please pray for us. We want to pray for you guys as well, but please pray for us too. Um, and, and this is the writer of Hebrews saying, pray for us. And I believe Timothy is included in the us because we see him down at the bottom there. But he's saying, pray for us. Please, please pray for us. Why? Uh, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you rather to do this. Why? That I may be restored to you the sooner. So the prayer is for restoration so they can come to them again. It's what makes it sound a lot Pauline uh, to me. It sounds very Pauline, this ending. Um, but we still don't know who wrote it. But he says, pray for us. And so I'd encourage you to pray for us. We want to pray for you. If you have a prayer request, you can drop that in the comments. And we will do our best to pray for everybody who drops a comment. But we need to be praying for each other because prayer actually works. Prayer actually works. And so uh, we got to be praying one for another. I saw a comment in here. I'm going to make a quick comment, uh, a quick comment about real fast. It says, Proverbs 28, 9 says that if you are not obedient to God's laws, your prayers are an abomination. This would be completely true if we were living in the old covenant. Uh, the, the truth is, is none of us can keep the laws perfectly. And so in Christ, Christ, the Bible says, is our righteousness. And so I believe that we need to be right with God. We need to have confessed our sins. But the truth is, none of us keep the law perfectly. Our prayers are made holy because of the Messiah, Jesus, who intercedes for us constantly. And so I don't know if there's anything else I should say about the prayer life, but I do believe we need to make sure that we are right with God. We have confessed our sins and there's nothing between our soul and the Savior. But prayer works. Prayer works and prayer is open to everybody. And this is why in Hebrews, he says, come boldly before the throne, not of holiness, which which would make it sound kind of like Proverbs 28, 9. Oh, I can't come because I'm not holy. What does he say? The throne of grace that we might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. What we need is not a bunch of people who feel like we're unworthy to come before God because we are in our own selves. 
but we can come boldly because of the sacrifice of the Messiah. And, and that's what we do in prayer is I'm not worthy, but because of the blood of Jesus, my sins are removed. And so I can't keep the law. I never could. But because of the Messiah, I can come boldly before Jesus and offer uh, my sacrifices to him. And so I'll leave that there for that. And then we get this beautiful ending. Is there anything you want to say about this before I move on? I, I just kind of talked a lot about it. No, I think uh, that's good. I also know uh, I do believe that God does show us great favor when we do live right. I'm yeah. not saying we can still go because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so, yeah. I, again, we're not holy because of ourselves. We don't keep the I agree 100% with what you said. Um, but we can see when we keep that sweet communion with God by confessing our sins, when we do break the, the law, we transgress or we sin. Yeah. Um, we, when we have that sweet fellowship and communion, man, God says prayer does work. It and does so, work. Now, prayer, talking about prayer is going to be a whole nother segment because it goes yeah. into spiritual warfare. Uh, you could talk about Daniel, who was a righteous man, and he prayed for a long time. And his prayer wasn't answered mm. because there was spiritual warfare going on that he didn't even know about. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's a whole nother uh, conversation. But I want us to make sure that we don't approach God on our own righteousness. Just as yeah. we got to make sure. Because sometimes we can take verses out of context and make it sound like if you are a perfect person, then God must <laughs> listen to you. Truth is, you can be righteous and God can say no. And you yeah. can be uh, somebody who's lived a wicked life, but you've gotten saved and you have confessed your sin. And God will answer your prayer because it's not mm -hmm. your righteousness. It's his. Yeah. And so we've got this. And then I love this ending. 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus the great shepherd, you know, the pastors are under shepherds, but we are not the great shepherd. He's the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. This covenant never ends. It's never going to be replaced. This is a covenant that's everlasting. Make you perfect or complete in every good work to do his will, which I need. Oh, I need God to continue to work in on me because I'm not perfect yet, but he's working mm -hmm. on me to make me perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and glory forever and ever. Amen. There's so much here. I, I know yeah. we're out of time. And so I, I don't know if we have much to comment on this besides just how beautiful and rich it is. Is there anything you want to say about this? No, I think it's a great way to end such a rich book. Yeah. So. All right, so we'll end with this, and then we'll just read this closing. It says, And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty. So if we see here that Timothy must have been in prison and is now at liberty. Uh, with whom, if he comes shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have rule over you. Again, he says it again. Submit to them and all saints, not just to them who have a world over you, but we're supposed to be submitting ourselves one to another. As another Paul uh, passage says, uh, they of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. That is the end of Hebrews. Oh, man, it's been a fun journey. Uh, and so we'll be looking at where we'll be diving into next. But Jonah, thanks for taking the journey with us. And we'll be excited to see what God has. But Merry mm -hmm. Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas, Jonah. Merry Christmas. And uh, I guess we'll see you guys all, Lord willing, next week, bright and early. Maybe not as bright and early, but we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.